Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. There is a very special woman who I have been working with for a while now. And I just want to start here because it really relates to the topic that we're going to talk about today. And it's such a happy ending to the story. When she first came to me, she had such low confidence. She never spoke up when things bothered her. And she spent a lot of energy trying to keep the peace. She avoided conflict at all costs because she told me she just hated when people would get mad at her and that someone would actually like think ill of her. And when I asked her where this came from, as I always do, you you guys know me by now being a therapist that I am, as I was getting her story, she revealed that her mother has been and always will be very highly critical of her. And to this day, like she still cringes when she goes to her mom and tries to get her opinion or advice on something. And her mom gets angry quite easily. So she learned early on that if she swallowed her emotions and went along with the program, that mom wouldn't pop off at her and that it was easier to be the peacemaker than to cause a tidal wave of mom's moods. And fast forward, this is exactly how she operated in life with her friends, her coworkers, her relationships. I mean, it even showed up early on in the dating phases where she would actually have sex with men just because she didn't want them to feel bad. She felt like it was almost an obligation, not because she wanted to. And it showed up at work. Here she was working her butt off and she knew that she was up for a raise, but she wasn't getting it. And she would avoid talking to her boss for a raise because she didn't want to rock the boat in chance of losing her job. And with her best friend who constantly criticized her, and actually we figured out as we were talking, really simulated the dynamic with her mom, she wouldn't express how sad and hurt she was by her friend. And so my client would tell me, I I just don't want her to be mad at me. Like that was the thing she said all the time. I don't want anybody to be mad at me. So we really had to you know, work from here because it wasn't until she got her sense of self-worth and finding her voice, it wasn't until we could work on that, that her life would change. And so it started actually, I'll tell you what I did with her. We did a cost benefit analysis in her relationships. I do this often with my clients because sometimes what costs you a lot outweighs the benefits. And I don't care like how big the list is. It's not about, you know, the quantity. It's about the quality of the things that are on your list. So she was looking at the cost of, you know, by avoiding saying how she felt, how each person served her, what the benefits were for finding her voice. And the bottom line was that she did not value herself. So how could she expect others to? We worked on building her self-esteem. We worked on setting boundaries and all these situations I just talked about. And I really wanted her to date like Queen B. This was a totally new concept for her, like going after what she wanted versus what the guys wanted of her. And most of all, she was finally, finally finding 
her voice. So I'm happy she, she did it. She, she totally did it. She did the work. It took a while. It's still a work in progress, but you know, at work, she spoke up and she got a raise. She talked to her friend and her friendship blossomed where there is now more reciprocity. And she landed a great guy in her life who treats her like a queen that we talked about. What has been so great about the relationship too, is that she's learning to be direct and find her voice when there's stress, when there's conflict, rather than avoid it or push it down like she's used to. And it's been almost a year and they've been together. So, I mean, so many times in life, you you might do things simply to please others. That's what I want to talk about today, because you want to be a peacemaker. How many of you have that? When you keep the peace, guess what? You're avoiding conflict. You're following the norm and trying to fit in wherever possible. And by doing this though, you forget who you are and you're losing your voice. And most importantly, you are killing your love life and relationships in the process. You know, a lot of us have been socialized and learned as adults that conflict is quote unquote bad. And in order to succeed, we should appear optimistic and positive at all times. And this often stems, I find, from growing up in an environment of both extremes. Either it was highly conflictual, so you avoided that conflict, or the emotions were hidden right? It was swept under the rug. Yet while this avoidance of a conflict leads to what you think is more harmony, it's superficial and it denies what is really going on and undermines a genuine trust. So here's the irony of it all. In efforts to avoid conflict, you are actually causing more conflict because people don't really know where you stand and who you are. So this is a common dynamic, and I was really excited to do this podcast today because I see a lot of people struggle with this, especially women, and that is why I'm super excited to have two very special women on today who specializes in helping people find their voice in stressful situations and actually find beauty in conflict. Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark, they are the co-founders of a company called Thrive, and they've spent 20 years helping men, women, couples, and teams resolve difficult conflicts and create a strong, thriving relationships. And they've written two books. I love the title of these books, by the way, The Beauty of Conflict and The Beauty of Conflict for Couples. They've given presentations on conflict resolution, communication, teamwork, creative problem solving at, oh my God, the biggest companies like Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, AT&T, these women kick butt. Um, Also organizations like Gates Foundation and University of Washington Medical Center. They are two powerhouses. They also run a transformational retreat for couples several times a year, including Couples Mojo and Couples Alive. Welcome, Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark. Thank you. This is Chris Marie. We're excited to be here. Yes, and this is Susan. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And I have a question right off the bat. Do you two ever fight? Oh my gosh! All the time, <laughs> we we can write these books because we have uh, we've had lots of conflict. And okay, we want to appreciate finding the beauty in that conflict. <laughs> oh my god! I, I wondered that. So, like you know, here you are talking about conflict. I'm like, wow, you guys work together a lot. I mean, there has to be things that come up, right? 
Oh my gosh, all the time. And, you know, Kim, when this is Chris Marie, when you were talking about your client, I have a very similar background. Mine was my dad, who was not only critical, but violent. So I really learned to, okay, I'm not going to, basically, I won't exist. I will work to achieve whatever he wants me to do and please. So it's been a road of recovery for me to find my voice. And it, the initial, you know, impetus for that was when I got into relationship with Susan and she wanted to talk about stuff. And I'm like, we're, we're this is, we're, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, right. no I can't tolerate this. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my God. That must've been like foreign and scary. And I mean, but how did you stay in it then? Because that isn't what you're used to. Right. I had, I mean, it was really believing that she wanted to hear my opinion and mm. learning to, um, Recognize? Were you going to say something, Susan? Well, <laughs> sorry, I was jumping in on her. I know because Mar- Chris Marie has really found her voice. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, the, the, I wanted to say something because I think one of the things that was a real impetus was also something that I think you mentioned in the story. Like you, I mean, one thing about Chris Marie's style of being a conflict avoider was she actually also had what we call a superpower of being able to accommodate and work a room. I mean, that's why she was such a great consultant. She could facilitate facilitate and make sure everybody else was happy. That was the kind of the superpower of it. But the problem was, I mean, in, in your career, you one time took the blame for something that really should have never been her responsibility because she she never spoke up she knew what they were doing wasn't going to work but she didn't say anything and I think that was really an impetus for you to say hey I don't ever want to be in this situation again that cost benefit thing you talked about it was it was uh yeah uh uh, an executive vice president (laughs) pointed to me across the room and said that project Chris Marie led that was a failure a complete failure and I was like oh my I I I shrunk in shame and I thought I don't want to I want to figure out how to find my voice and speak up because it's a career limiting move. And it was also a relationship limiting move. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's so common, right? Like when you grow up, not, you know, kind of having that voice and being a people pleaser, right. And just like you're, you're, if somebody talks ill of you or thinks badly of you, or you get a criticism of some sort, it's like the worst thing in the world. Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, Susan, since you popped in there, you're not going to get away with not telling your story. So <laughs> Chris Marie shared hers. What about you? Like what kind of led you down this path and how did you become a great communicator? Well, I, I would say, you know, early on in my family, you mentioned the other side of there's the family where that's loud and violent and there's, you know, kind of like the colonel and that sort of thing. My family was very intellectually smart, but there were a lot of things that never got addressed or talked about. And and it wasn't just in my family, but it was sort of a, uh, really a community wide, there was a community leader that was really doing some things that were pretty darn horrible, but no one talked about them. And I was the, you know, on the, receiving end of that for a lot of my the earlier years of my life and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I got in my early 20s when I was diagnosed with a very advanced cancer process oh. that I realized there were a lot of things I had never talked about and my health depended on me surfacing some of these issues and uh, let me tell you um, you know cancer was nothing compared to the conflict that got created when I started to try to find some answers and figure things out. And uh, mm-hmm. it was a 
really chasm both in my family and the community and but I started to get healthier. So I really did directly see that, you know, even if it seems incredibly dangerous to speak up, surfacing conflict uh, was enlivening, was probably my only option. I think I would have, I would not be around if I hadn't. And, um, wow. you know, I had to learn how to navigate that. You know, first there was just dealing with the conflict that got created because I spoke up. And then I was dealing in the medical model where they had a lot of opinions about what I should or shouldn't do. And I had to kind of navigate between all these healthcare professionals too, who had their own strong opinions. And I'd be like, well, yes, and you guys need to talk to each other and I'll be the ultimate deciding body here. Project and Susan. Project Susan. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that had its own form of conflict. So oh, I, yeah. I think it was life enhancing. I look back and I think, you know, maybe it was chemo, maybe it was drugs, maybe. But the thing I really learned was dealing with conflict was probably my lifesaver in terms of my health. So, well, this is really interesting because you both represent kind of both ends of the spectrum and, you know, like how you were brought up. But, you know, the end point was that you both avoided conflict in the beginning. I would love to hear from each of you because I think so many people can relate to what you're saying, both of your stories. How, how did you get past that then? You know, like what are some steps that you took from your perspective and growing up the way you did Chris Marie and the way that you did Susan? Yeah, this is Chris Marie. I think um, when I, I had really had the felt sense of the cost of avoiding it, you know, in that, in that corporate setting where I was blamed. And shortly thereafter, I met Susan and I saw her deal with, it was a group situation and there was just this bully in the room and she Mm. stood up to him in a way that really worked. And I thought, I want to learn how to do that. And then we got involved in um, a relationship business and, and I kept thinking, um, we would, we would bump into different points of view and I would be like, "Uh Oh, you know, I don't know how to handle this. And Susan was the one that's like, you may, cause she could tell something was going on and she'd be <laughs> like, you know what? I actually really want to hear your different opinion. And I'd be like, you sound so passionate. There's no room for me to have a different opinion. And she goes, no, I really do. I'd and be yelling at her. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking me out. My nervous system freaked out. But after, you know, enough of those times where I did say, well, okay, I think this is a dumb idea. I, I want to do this other plan, whatever it was. And we would come up with something that wasn't my idea or her idea, but a whole new idea would emerge. Ah. That, and that's even how the brain operates. You know how those aha moments in um, you have in the brain, you know, you're taking yeah. a shower and you're like, oh, what they show in brain science is when you are holding basically opposite or paradoxical ideas in your brain, you know, they just won't resolve. When you are able to hold them, something, your brain actually connects the dots in a whole new way and you come up Mm -hmm. with something different. That's how it is with people. So Mm -hmm. I had to recognize, wait a minute, this, this actually really works. Like it's, she's not just going to beat me down to get her way. She really wants to know what I'm thinking. And if I can be interested in her, I, you know, it, new ideas emerge. So it happens so frequently. I really started to believe it, which was what the benefit part was. You know, it started really pulling me along. 
Uh, practice, practice, practice. Isn't yeah. that like what it's all about? I mean, it sounds so easy, right? But when oh. you're, when you're in the midst of it and you're trying to learn something new, it, it's, it's really hard, but the only way to get over that fear, and it's so true, is to practice it and so much so that it does become you. I mean, even if you have to fake it till you make it until it starts integrating, like you were saying. So, all right. Yeah, that's really good. You practice and then you maybe came up with something that was a compromise. Well, it wasn't even a compromise, Kim. It was actually some new idea in our discussion that emerged. And it, oh, a new idea. Yeah, yeah, a completely new idea. So it wasn't like, oh, part of my idea and her idea. It was like, how can we hold these two contradictory ideas and something would blossom? And, and it is true. It's you're dealing, I had to do a whole bunch of work with my nervous system to settle down my nervous system in the midst of conflict because I'd go to that it's your primitive brain that goes to fight, flight, or freeze. And that was going on. So I had to do some things to interrupt that. Once I knew there was a benefit on the other side, if I could mm-hmm. stay in. How did you settle the nervous system? Like, what, did you do meditation or like what kinds of things did you do? Well, there's, uh, we actually talk about this in our Beauty of Conflict for Couples book because mm-hmm. it, it's about, it's some simple things you can do in the moment. So it's not, although I do meditation and I like that, (laughs) where in the moment, it's actually grounding back in your body because when we're threatened, we are, at least for me, my energy goes up and out. And um, so I would consciously bring my energy down to my bum and my feet and wiggle my feet and slow my breathing down because when you're scared it's up in the chest so I do deeper breaths and then I'd even look or I'd turn my head because when we get um in a threatful situation it's like our vision narrows and the target is the enemy you know the danger person Mm -hmm. and if I slowly move my head it kind of breaks that lock that I have and it would settle me down. And even saying, I am scared right now was a way to verbalize what was happening for me as a way to try versus try to cover it up or just be oh, interested yeah. in her. So acknowledging what was happening. I would say this is Susan talking, because you know, I think also, Chris Marie, as a you know, as an Olympic athlete, an elite athlete, you had the benefit of knowing if you could get into your body and be in your body you are way more effective. And a lot of people don't get that because, but athletes kind of know it. Yeah. I I did have mm -hmm. a felt sense of, I was a rower. um, And so I had the felt sense of when I was settled in my body, things would go a lot better. (laughs) So I, it was another sort of learning that I could connect it, connect to. I mean, yeah. For me, it was a little different because, well, I'm, I mean, I wish I was an elite athlete, but I just, I just like to play <laughs> in your but, own um, right. You know? But the thing for me that has made the most profound difference is I do a lot of work now with horses. And the reason awesome. I do that is because they have, I mean, one, horses are naturally relational animals. They have to be, they, they are reliant upon their ability to, uh, be embodied and pick up the cues. And so when you are like all the work I do with the horses on the ground, there's, it's at Liberty. So there's no harnesses or ropes. You're just working with the horse and the horse gives you amazing feedback. And for me, it's actually helped me learn and develop what it means to be embodied and to be present because what they want is someone who's congruent. So if, if I'm acting like I'm all tough and all that, but really I'm terrified inside, the horse is gonna stay pretty darn far away mm-hmm. or start actually poking at me. Cause it's like, 
this is not safe. And Hmm. really what it was a great way for me to develop a sense of what it meant to be congruent and embodied. And now I do that a lot in my coaching practice. I, I, I work with horses (laughs) because it's such a profound. Oh my God, Susan, I need to go to you. I was thrown from a horse when I was young and I can't get back on one. I mean, I got on a donkey, so I I was proud of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I got, I could get on a donkey. It was the first step. But yeah. you're so right, because I think I was thrown from the horse because the horse felt my fear because I was scared of horses. And I, I, you know, I blamed the horse back then. But now looking back, I'm like, they, he, you know, he probably sensed me. Yes. Yeah. You know, interesting. And the irony is a lot of times with the horse, if you just acknowledge the fear, they, that is, they will settle down. They're not looking mm. for you not to be afraid. They're just looking for you to be congruent. And that is really how we are, but as we, humans, as humans, <laughs> but we have actually covered it up with this kind of facade and, you know, armor that, and so we don't always acknowledge those things as readily. And but that's what, I mean, if you think about the people you trust and this comes up in dating, it comes up in long-term relationships. When you feel kind of more relaxed with somebody is when their insides match their outsides. And if they're kind mm. of not matched, you kind of feel like there's, if you're connected to your intuition, you kind of, something usually feels a little off. And so we don't feel as safe either. I love that. Yes. Yes. And I actually want to talk about how this all relates to dating in a second, but I have a question for Susan, because you were diving into what helped you because you came from a different place than Chris Marie. Mm -hmm. So for you, it sounded like you never expressed feelings growing up. It just wasn't there. And I deal with that with my clients all the time. And I really teach them emotional intelligence. I, I tell people all the time, it's like a language, right? Like if you haven't spoken it in the home, you have to just learn it, right? Are there things that you did to actually learn how to tap into your feelings? Well, probably the biggest thing for me was uh, working with breath and, and body work, really. Like discovering ways to use my, to breathe more, to be willing to acknowledge, like not just be up in my head. Because I, one thing, yes. my, my history, I had a big story that could spook the hell out of me all the time. And and I was in misery in my story. But as soon as I started to realize, wait a minute, you're so busy thinking about everything that you're not feeling. And, and when I would be willing to actually let myself drop in and feel the fear or feel the anger, really, any of that, all of a sudden, I, you know, I had energy. And, I, and the story would start to break up a little bit. So there were new possibilities. But it really took learning how to breathe and be in my body. Which I think you would get then get present with what you were feeling yeah. and even the situation as opposed to your story about yeah, the situation. situation. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yes, yeah. You know what's so beautiful about that, Susan, too, is that the stuff that you were doing, you like whether it was the breathing or the horses, it was putting you into action so that you could feel in your body. Yes. Right. Like it was doing, it wasn't just like, you know, sitting there in an office and just talking because you didn't need that, (laughs) you know, like you you needed to really like, yeah, have it be present in your body. You know, the um, woman that I talked about in the beginning of the show was interesting because we actually talked about how sex also helped her feel in those beginning stages where she would have sex with, you know, the guys that she would date. Mm -hmm. And 
and we really connected it to her lack of, you know, expressing herself growing up. And so alcohol and sex was a way for her to feel. So once she started feeling in a more healthy way, congruent way, you know, that need to have sex also went down. So I think it's all related. Yes, absolutely. Totally agree with you in that. You know. So yeah, let's talk about dating actually, because that's a good segue. What, how, because I think so much, so many people focus on conflict resolution with couples, but I think it's just as important to know how to deal with stress and conflict right from the beginning. Like how, how do you, or is there some advice that you both could give people who are just getting into knowing somebody and how to deal with that? Well, I was thinking about one of the things that I don't think people like me as Chris Marie, like conflict avoiders think about is if you're not willing to bring up your differences, who is the person getting in relationship with? <laughs> like you're so busy trying to make the sale, but right. really what, who are they buying in that sense? And so I had to, um, you know, the whole idea about, can I actually sink in and be me? And I know that's a process through the dating, you know, you don't like right away, but mm-hmm. I really believe that you don't want to pretend you don't, you don't disagree because the other person doesn't get to know you. And if you do want to create a relationship, don't you want to be a full me in the face of the we? Because that's so much where we're so longing to be known as who we are and accepted as who we are. And you have no chance of doing that unless you show up and say, no, this doesn't work for me. Or I want this instead of that. And those are, those can, that can bring up conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So just, and here's just, because I can hear people saying, yeah, but if I'm on a first date, you know, how do I express my feelings and air, you know, if I'm not liking something, do I say something? Like, what would you say to that? Oh, I think, you know, if, if it depends on how you say things, this is Susan. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm willing to speak up and say, you know, I realize I'm imagining that you're enjoying this. And this is, it's so interesting because that is, this is not something I would really, I particularly like. And <laughs> we have some differences. Like there uh-huh. are ways, I, I really have believed that when I can step back and go, I'm not making you wrong. Wow, this is so different than I thought it was going to be. This is a lot louder and, you know, there's a lot more chaos and I've never had raw fish. But, <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, but obviously you brought me here. So let's talk about this difference. So even being interested in them, like, well, tell me, what do you like about raw fish so much? Oh, this is so really yes. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Now, but I, like it, I, I have found that when, so curious. we talk about the, t- the two major pieces are, if I can be curious when there is something that I want to say about what I like or dislike and bring it up, if I can do it from a place of curiosity, it is uh, usually very well received. I and love it. I love it. Oh my God, you're speaking my language because, <laughs> that is, I, that, well, that's why you're on here. But no, that I tell people that all the time, even as it relates to flirting and, you know, getting to know somebody, when you come from that place of curiosity, mm-hmm. it's, it's quite pleasant, you know, because right. you're just curious of where people come from and also what, what's kind of floating your boat and what's not. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think we get into trouble when we're like, oh, this is not okay with, you know, like we get into a really right, wrong position and then that energy comes through and that is where mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't work. And that's the dynamics breakdown because mm-hmm. the person feels if I'm right, then they're wrong. And who wants to be wrong? 
anytime. (laughs) So being curious, it's more like, well, I'm different and I want to, I'm interested in you over there. And then there's a bridge that can be built. Well, that is really interesting, you know, because I can see how that the right and the wrong thing would would lead to an argument. So, like, how would you explain the difference between the beauty of conflict versus an argument, even like the beginning stages all the way through a relationship? Mm -hmm. Well, this this is Susan. I would say that the first thing is, we talk about this from the lens of knowing what we call the me axis, knowing myself. So the first thing I need to do is get really clear about in this moment, how aware am I of what I'm thinking, feeling, and wanting? How open or closed am I? So it's like being willing to kind of check in and find out, am I getting defensive? And it isn't about it, you know, in that moment, if I am getting tight or nervous or scared, if instead of thinking that's wrong, if I can just name it, like, oh, here's what's happening for me, it becomes a whole different thing. But the first thing is I have to have some self-awareness about it and to be able to acknowledge it. And even in a conflict, to be able to say that, to me, that makes a difference. If I'm owning it as this is how I put the world together. Now I want to be curious about how you have. I think even, even acknowledging I'm uncomfortable, like I had to actually practice saying, like getting that out, like I'm uncomfortable because I was so, this is Chris Marie, so conditioned yeah. not to show up and focus on you over there, whoever that is. And so to talk about yourself, I statements, I'm uncomfortable, yes. this is happening, I'm scared is so so transformational in the relationship dynamic. So any sort of discussion Often what couples or people do is I'm going to focus on you and I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you and how you're not okay. Mm -hmm. And this is how you're hurting me versus I'm hurting and boy, I, I'm uncomfortable about this. I don't know how to, even if I don't know any sort of acknowledgement can immediately shift the energy inside of me and, and in the, uh, with the other person. And being direct about it. I think also that's what you guys are saying. Cause so, and this is another thing I see is a lot of like passive aggression, even when they do say something, it's not a direct hit. I was, um, with a client the other day, and I don't know if you ladies know this, but a lot of my audience does, I do these wing girl sessions, right. Where I, I take them out and I help them flirt and, you know, help them deal with just the initial stages of the first impression. Right. And I'll never forget, I was driving this woman in the car and I see all of a sudden she's like shaking. And I could see that she was kind of rolling her eyes and doing all these kind of passive aggressive behaviors, indicating to me that she was cold. But here's the thing, I knew she was struggling with being direct. (laughs) So I didn't do anything. I was just kind of waiting she's doing. And she like rolled up the window. She's doing everything she could without saying that. I finally said to her, I said, how are you feeling right now? She goes, Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. I said, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) you're not. I said, I want you to really pull in and tell me, look me in the eye and say, how are you? Like, how are you feeling right now? She's like, well, I'm kind of scared to say it. I said, what? She's like, I'm cold. I said, (laughs) wow. I said, that's great. She goes, that's great. I said, yeah, you just actually said directly how you feel. And it was a big aha moment for her. She realized how much she was doing that with men, with, you know, all that stuff. And so we practiced that out in the field and it made a huge difference. Oh, I love that, Kim. Cause I think so often 
when people are showing up passive aggressively, people will dance around it. Oh, what do I, and try to fix, oh, I'll adjust the, the air temperature. And you well, didn't, you kind of made her, I, I like that you held for her to say what she was feeling. I'm laughing because Chris Marie <laughs> is the master oh, yeah. of what you just called. <laughs> like, don't tell uh, well, I just remember our first working situation together at a corporate client. Oh I, you know, I, I, I was living up in Canada on an island. I flew in to do this consulting gig with her, and I, yeah, she. And I picked her up from the airport, <laughs> and here I am in my Arthur Anderson suit. I look all sniffy, you know. <laughs> yeah. And she gets off the plane in jeans and a sweater, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I don't say anything. I do the passive aggressive thing by saying, so do you need to stop by your hotel and change? No, I'm good. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So we did do the offsite as, as dressed, but then I, the next time she came down for another event, I'm like, we're going to go by Nordstrom. What, you know, let's just go talk to a personal shopper. Well, she had the whole personal <laughs> shopper thing set up. I walked Oh in- my God. And I just thought it was so funny because, of course, I didn't pick any of the clothes that she wanted. I just said these are because she wasn't actually doing the very thing, you know. She this was just a long time ago. This is twenty years. But ago. I, I joke. This is yesterday. Now I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right before the show, we got it. We got it. Prove to everybody that we're okay. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's such a good example. That's funny. You know, and really we funny. still, you know, it's funny because I think those patterns are deep seated. And that, you know, oh, now yeah. I have learned like, cause I sometimes will not get, I, I honestly did not get that she was really distressed about what I was wearing. <laughs> you know, I wasn't trying to be difficult. I was just like, why is she doing the personal shopper thing? Okay, whatever. But, and then, you know, now I've learned when she starts to ask questions or she's like, what is really going on? Well, she'll, she'll prompt <laughs> me like you did, you know, like, because it's so, such a habit not to say, and to, to come um, forward with that is, and this happens in relationships because yeah. we have romances about who this person is. We don't usually tell them well, like, well, we're going to get married and have kids and the white picket fence and buy a house, whatever it is. And when they stop participating in the, our movie, the way we want them to, we mm. start to hint or nudge or manage or control and they're not getting it mm-hmm. a lot of the times. And so then we get, re- we blame them like, well, you're not dressing the way you should be dressed, whatever it is. Oh, exactly. That's the rabbit hole, right? It like, is. And, uh, it is. And, and the thing is too, is it causes so much confusion. And on top of it, a lot of predicting and assuming, and that can be the death of any relationship. You know, when you are constantly trying to do the guesswork and then you try to predict rather than just saying, you know, out loud what it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. Um, Oh my gosh. Well, ladies, I love this conversation. I could just go on and I can't believe the time. It just went so fast. Oh my (laughs) God. Um, well, do you have any like parting words of wisdom and definitely let everyone know how to find you and you have a book coming out and all of it. Yes. Well, we, um, yes, we're very excited for our beauty of conflict for couples is coming out and we have lots of really practical tools for people like me, the, the, the conflict avoiders. <laughs> it, it applies to any, you know, all, but how parts. to even how to set boundaries in a way that you're t- taking care of yourself and finding nice. your voice, all those things that are right in line with you, Kim. So I think people will really enjoy that. You can find that on amazon.com. We actually operate out of Thrive Inc. T H R I V E I N C dot com, and we do. We also do couples workshops with horses. So, Ooh, maybe I out. should come. Can I come I by myself? <laughs> come on over. 
over. And we do I need an intervention <laughs> badly. <laughs> and yeah, we do um, coaching and those Equus workshops. And we also do individual ones, find your mojo, but we're all about the mojo. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. That's and awesome. Montana is a great place to come. In. That's where we're located. So there's no Nordstrom's. That's how I know I yeah. didn't do the <laughs> Oh my God. Well, ladies, you have to come to Nordstrom's here first in LA, and then I'll send you over there just so yeah, everyone yeah. looks fabulous <laughs> before <Yeah>. they go. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so, so much. This was, I love this conversation. I really think it's going to help a lot of people and just all too, to find the humor in it and that we all struggle with this, especially as oh. women. So we sure do. That is probably the biggest thing that, you know, I'd say to people, if you can learn to laugh at yourself, not in a mean way, but just to realize here I am, here I am again. And and that can be so refreshing in a couple too, to be able, oh, there, here's our pattern one more time. And that it's really does make a big, it's kind of like curiosity. Yes. (laughs) It's It's a big shift. Yeah. This is delightful. So thanks for joining me today, ladies. And this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. If you want to know more, you can always go to my site, seltzerstyle.com. And if you want to learn how to stop people-pleasing in your life and find your voice, then hop on a free breakthrough call with me by signing up through my link in the show description. And just think that the way you operate in life can actually change with a 30-minute phone call. It really can. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.